this constitutional amendment initiative petition form. If you haven't signed that, we it's to stand against abortion. If you haven't signed that, signed that, fill that out. Encourage you to do so and put it in the back, and we will turn all those in. If you have your Bibles with you this evening, turn to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16 is we're going through the book of, of Exodus and look at these children of Israel. So why do we look at the children of Israel? Because they're so much like us, aren't they? Prone to wonder, Lord, Lord I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. If, if you're a Christian today, then you have times of struggle. You say, preacher, I don't struggle. Then you're probably not a Christian. <laughs> you, you, even Paul said, the things, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I do want to do, the things I don't want to do, that's what I do. He struggled. Every Christian that's living for God struggled. The children of Israel struggled. Do you struggle as a Christian? Well, I hope, I hope you recognize that you struggle. The children of Israel struggled. When they didn't get what they want, what did they do? What, what do you do when you don't get what you want? When, you, when your day doesn't go well, when, when it's too hot in Florida or too cold or the flowers die that you just planted, or little bugs come in your house and in your sugar bowl, when you don't get that raise, when life isn't fair, what do you do? Well, what do we all do? We tend to complain, and that's what they struggle with. And we see it again in Exodus chapter 16, verse 4. Exodus chapter 16 and verse 4. We see God's instruction to Moses to these murmuring mob of people. Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall pair that which, was, which they bring in, and shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, Even then ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord, and that, and that we, are we that ye murmur against us. And what are, excuse me, what are we that ye murmur against us? Verse 8, and Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, in the morning bread to fill to, to the full, that the Lord heareth your murmurings which you murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And Moses spake unto Aaron, and saying to the, all the congregation, the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for ye have for ye have heard your murmurings. And it came to pass, as Aaron spoke unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, they looked towards the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord, verse 11, spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, speaking to them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh in the morning, ye shall be filled with bread, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. It came to pass that at even the quails came and covered the camp in the morning, the dew lay around about the host, and when the dew that lay up was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as a hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given to you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather it. Uh, gather of every man according to his eating, an, om an omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take he every man for them which are in the tents, and the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more, some less. And when they had did meet it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had 
no slack, no lack. And they gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, Let no man leave of it till morning. What not was so standing, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left it until the morning, and, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was wroth with them. They gathered every morning, every man according to the eating, and, and when the sun waxed hot, it melted. And it came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers, for one man, and all the ruler, rulers of the congregation came and told Moses and said unto them, This is that which the Lord has said, Tomorrow is the rest uh, of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which you will bake today, and see that which you will see, and that which remaineth uh, overlay upon, up for you to be kept until the morning. And they laid it up till the morning as Moses bade, and it did not stink, neither was there any worm therein. And Moses said, Eat that ye that eat that today, for the day is the Sabbath, and the Lord today is ye shall eat not in, in the field. Six days shall you gather it, but on the seventh, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. Verse 27, it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day for to gather, and they found none. The Lord said to Moses, How long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord hath given you the Sabbath, therefore ye given you he hath given you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide ye every man his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna, and it was like quarter seed, white. And the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. And Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, to fill an omer of it to keep, to be kept in your, for your generations, that it may see the bread where, therewith I have fed you with wilderness, I fed you in the wilderness and brought you up, you up forth from the land of Egypt. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a pot and put an omer full of manna therein, and lay it up before the Lord to be kept before your generations. The Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And the children of Israel did eat manna forty years, till they came to a land inhabited. They did eat manna till they came into the borders of the land of Canaan. And omer is a tenth part of an ephah. Lord, we thank you again for the night. Thank you for letting us gather around your word to hear it preached. I pray, Lord, from this uh, story, this truth, uh, telling of what happened to the children of Israel many years ago, God, may we gain some understanding and truths, Lord, that will help us in our daily lives, Father, to know you, to know your word, and realize how precious it is, how powerful it is, how potent it is, how personal it can be and helpful to each one of us as we look to you, Father, for our help. In Jesus' name, amen. So the children of Israel had gone from a contented crowd to a murmuring mob. We looked at, looked at that. They'd gone from gratefulness to griping. They remember they had been delivered from Egypt, uh, a place of slavery, a place of toil. Remember, Egypt is always a picture of the world. God has delivered us if you're saved tonight from the world. You don't have to go back to the world. If we go back to the world, we choose to go back to the world. We don't have to go back to the world. But they, in their, in their journey out of the world, out of Egypt, began to grumble because things were not the same. You know, when things begin to be different, when you're journeying to new places and things aren't what you expect, then we begin to grumble. And that's what were happening to them. How would you respond? Here is these people that God himself has protected, God himself has empowered, God himself has provided for, 
And now as they journey out of, Israel, out of Egypt and going towards the promised land, uh, they begin to grumble and gripe. Now imagine you doing that for a group of people. How would you respond to that, to those people? Would it, would it encourage you to do more for them? Would it encourage you to say, well, let me help you a little more? Or would you like, well, I've done all this for you. Why should I do anything for you? You maybe have been there as a parent. You probably maybe maybe have done that, you know, for your kids. You provided, you provided, you've helped, you've helped, and maybe they weren't very thankful. Maybe, Mama, you fixed a plate of food, and little Johnny or little Sally didn't eat that food, and you and you thought, and they said to said to you, "I want some Fruit Loops," and you said, "We're not having Fruit Loops this morning. We're having steak and eggs and bacon and biscuits and gravy. I better stop. I'm gonna get hungry myself." I'll come over. If they don't eat it, I will. Trust me. I will come. I will eat it. But they want Fruit Loops. These people are not contented. They're not happy where they are. And so are we sometimes. But in the midst of all of that, God was still providing for them. He's not like us. Us, our patience runs out pretty quick, don't it, isn't it? We, we, we get very thin. Our, our long-suffering is small, but God is Great in patience. I'm glad he is. Amen. God is long-suffering towards us. The Bible says in Romans 5, 21, that his sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm sure many a time in my Christian life, especially as a young Christian, I disappointed Jesus Christ, but he did not give up on me. And today, I'm going to tell you, God has not given up on you. He's not quit you. He's not gone back. His promises are, have not stopped. God still loves us. God did not rain fire and brimstone on these griping, griping grumbling, mumbling group of people. He decided to bless them. Look at verse 4. Look what it says there back in verse 4. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain fire. No. I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day. They may prove them whether they will, will, they will walk in my law or no. God says, I'm going to rain bread upon them. I'm going to feed them. Even God has already, he's already <laughs> taken them out of slavery. He says, I'm going to do more than take them out of slavery. I'm going to feed them on a regular basis. Oh, how good God is. So the Lord pitied them. God's people were great in need, and the Lord looked to their need. Not only did he pity them, the Lord provided for them. He did not provide for them because of their prayers they offered, that far as we know, but because they, he simply wanted to. And thirdly, he was patient with them, especially as they began in the way. And obviously, like children, we are especially uh, patient, should be, with little children because we know uh, their age and we, we, we know that their need. But interesting enough, as they had journeyed years upon years later on, Jesus, uh, God was a little, more, little less patient with them. The Bible says in, no, in no, Numbers chapter 21, verse 4, they journeyed from Mount Hor to the way of the sea to compass the land of Edom. The way of the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way the people spake against God and against Moses, whereof you brought us out of the land of Egypt to die in the wilderness. Is there no bread and there's no water? And our soul loathed this light bread. They got tired of manna. They got tired of Krispy Kreme. Can you imagine that? What world were they living in? 
The Lord sent fiery serpents among them. They bit the people. Much people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came and Moses said, We've sinned, for we've spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. So God gave them merciful allowances in the beginning, but ultimately we know he proved them. He was proving them. And God proves us. Is what I was talking about this morning in the message about sometimes, you know, being falsely accused. God sometimes allows problems in our lives and difficulties in our lives. He allows us, as Jesus went through, to be offended. He allows us to be betrayed. He allows us to be falsely accused, to people to bear false witness to us. Because I, I believe we say we like the attributes of Jesus when it's going into the city. Oh, hell, praise, thank God for Jesus. But when troubles come, not so much. Not so much. But Christianity is more than just singing about amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Sometimes Christianity is what a friend we have in Jesus because there's no other friend in life but him. Sometimes Christianity is way in the clouds and thank God and what God has done. But sometimes God is with us in the valley when we go through the deep, depressive parts of life. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 10, Let, us favor, his, let favor be showed to the wicked, yet will he not learn righteousness. In the land of the up, upright, uprightness, he will deal justly, will not uphold the, the majesty of the Lord. Have you learned the righteousness from God's blessing? Or do you take credit for it? What did God do? The manna of bread from heaven is a wonderful type and picture of the living word, the written word of God. The more you read the word of God, the more thankful you be, you'll be for the word of God. When I first read the, word of, read the word of God and I got saved on April the 15th, 1989, and, and the preacher said, read the word of God, read the word of God. I had never really seriously read the word of God. The word of God was like medicine to me. It was kind of like NyQuil. You know you need to take it, but you really don't want to. And then as I read the word of God a little more, it became kind of like grits. Oh, it was not better, than, a whole lot better than NyQuil, but I need a little jelly to it, you know. Some of you add butter to your grits, and some of you say, what's a grit? <laughs> well, come, come, to me, come, to, come to the 43rd Street Deli tomorrow, and I'll show you some grits. <laughs> They're a southern delicacy, okay? They're something a little bit different, Okay. Is that, and after, after a while, after a while, after it wasn't medicine anymore, it wasn't grits anymore, it's like ice cream now. It's like ice cream now. I can't wait for it. Some of you can't go to bed until you have your little ice cream. I know, I know, I know. So is the word of God. Man, I don't feel right if I go a day without having some ice cream. The wonderful word of God. Psalm 40, verse 7, and lo, <laughs> I come, I come in the volume is written. I come, it says John chapter 5, verse 39, search the scriptures, for in them you shall think ye have eternal life. And they which are, they test, shall testify of me. Exodus chapter 16, we see here that manna was a supernatural gift. What do we learn about manna? It's a supernatural gift. It was not a product of earth. It was not man-made. It was not brought out of Egypt. It came down from heaven. It's same as the true of the word of God. It's not man-made. People say to me all the time, oh, it's just a, it's a book just from a bunch of men who wrote it. No, dear friend, it was, if it was from men, it would have been gone a long time ago. The books of men will perish. As good as Shakespeare is, it will perish. 
Plato, Socrates, all those wonderful writers that we read about, even Harper Lee talks about to kill a mockingbird, maybe good writing, but ultimately they will perish. The word of God liveth and abideth forever. It is the book above all books. I'm for reading, but dear friend, don't neglect the word of God to read something else. Read the word of God. It was a miraculous gift from God furnished by the Lord himself. 2 Peter 1.21, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. The holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures God by inspiration of God. And is proper for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Song of Solomon, yes. Ecclesiastes, yes. Ruth, Esther, yes. From cover to cover, it is the word of God. Read it, study it, meditate upon it. Not only the scripture is a gift to us, but the Lord Jesus Christ is, God, is God's gift to the world. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Jesus Christ is the bread of heaven. John chapter 6, verse 31, Our fathers did eat man in the desert. As it was written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not bread from heaven, but my Father gave you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. They said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. You see, in this, in this world, you can never find satisfaction. All the gold, all the stuff, all the things of this world cannot satisfy you like Jesus Christ. I was watching a video of Kirk Cameron. How many remember Kirk Cameron? He, he gave a testimony the other night, and I watched it. He said, all the things that I got, all the, all the fame, all the money, it comes, nothing compares to my relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you truly know him, you know it's to be true. You know it's to be true. Jesus went on to say in John chapter 6 verse 47, Verily, verily, I say unto you that he believeth in me shall have everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat man in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. The bread that I will give is my flesh, which shall give for life of the world. Secondly, the manna was given to them by God, even when they were rebellious, murmuring, and complaining. Even when they were struggling, even when they were going through difficulties and problems, they were, God gave it to us. And the Bible says about us in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God commended his love towards us. When we were being good, he gave us to us. No, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In our rebellion, in our turning our back against God, God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Notice the third place, the bread from heaven will not do for tomorrow. A supply was needed for each day. We need God's daily supply of manna. We need to hear from God, not just today, I need to hear from God tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Oh, thank God for yesterday, but I need, I need God tomorrow. How about you? That's why we need to be into God's word, not just some of the day, but all of the day. I read a report, an illustration from Howard Hendricks, who told about his visit to Yellowstone National Park. 
He said, if you've ever been to Yellowstone National Park, you're probably given a piece of paper by a ranger at the park entrance. And on it, in big letters, is do not feed the bears. When you go in the National Park, what do you see? People feeding the bears. So what happens later on when all the people are gone? The rangers have to pull the dead bears out of the park because they've gotten used to being fed by the people. And now they don't feed themselves. You see, folks, I can't feed you every day. I can't feed you every day. You have to feed yourself. You have to pick up the Bible and read it for yourself. You have to study it for yourself. Oh, the little babies, yes, we feed them when they're little, but thank God we teach them, hopefully, to feed themselves. You have to feed yourself. Are you, get, are you getting fed? Do you get up tomorrow and say, I have to have food? Now, physically, you're going to get up tomorrow, and sometime you're probably going to eat, right? You know more important than what you eat physically is what you eat spiritually tomorrow. More important than that frosted flakes, more important than that bacon and eggs, more important than that biscuits and gravy or that toast or that granola bar, which you take with you and run out the door, is getting with God tomorrow. You have your morning manna. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, 11, give us this day our daily bread. Not our weekly bread. Not our two times on Sunday and one time on Wednesday bread. No, I need daily bread. And you need daily bread. How do we take that in? We have to appropriate it. We have to, we have to get the portion for ourselves. We have to eat it ourselves. And secondly, not only we get it, we have to chew it. We have, to, we have to take it upon, we have to chew it. Now, some people chew real fast. Sometimes I eat with people, and I'll sit down with them, and five minutes later, they're done with the food. They're gone. I mean, if, <laughs> some people, man, you, you sit there, and you're done with your meal, and, and, tw and 20 minutes later, they're still eating. Everybody's different about how they eat, right? And so it is with the Word of God. Some people spend 30 minutes with God. Some people spend an hour with God. Some people spend more. Some of you are done with your Bible reading, and praise God, you got more time. Some of you have gone through it just a little bit. But the main thing is you not only appropriate it, but you chew it, and thirdly, it becomes a part of you. You digest it. You assimilate it into your life. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It has to become a part of you. It has to become a part of you. I read about this word from the Agta people in northern Philipp, uh, Philippines. It was called Magadot. Describes the word of God. Magadot, which means a stinging, venomous, or, or potent, uh, poisonous snake, Brother Eric, is called a Magadot. And on the other hand, doctors have, have discovered that the venom from the poisonous snakes makes good me medicine. So the word of God, this Magadot, if we discard it, it can bite like a poisonous snake. But if we live by it, it gives us the medicine used by heart patients. So the word of God either helps us or it condemns us. It's just our choice. This book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. It's what you do with it. It's what you do with it. So we see the promised provision, but secondly, the preparations for worship in verses 5 and 6. The preparations for worship in verse 5 and 6. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day that shall pair that which they bring in. It shall be twice as much as they gather daily. On the sixth day, God would provide his people twice as much manna prepared as the other days. They wanted, why? Because God wanted them to worship on that Sabbath day. 
preparing. You know what? Before the Sunday, it's always good to prepare. People to stay up 3 or 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning on, on a Saturday night and Sunday morning, how do they get anything from the Word of God? You can't. It's hard to sleep in the church and get something from God. It, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't do, it's not good. That's why you have to prepare. Dear folks, if, you, if you're going into business or you're doing something serious, you prepare for the next day, right? Dear friend, just like you prepare for something which you're going to make money about, even more so we should prepare to come into the house of God to get something from God. We should get our clothes out the night before. We should get our mind right, prepare, pray for the service. Do you pray for the service? Do you pray for the preaching? Do you pray for the people? Do you pray for the fellowship? Do you pray for people to show up? Do you pray for the unsaved to, un to come? Do you prepare yourself and pray for the church service that you're about to attend? We should. We should. We have a group of about five or six that get here every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock and we pray. We pray. If you want to join us, we'd love to have. We Sometimes we've had to go inside the fellowship hall because we've had so many people. We've had 10 to 15 people. Come with us, join, pray, pray. So they, there was promised provisions, their preparation for worship. And, and Moses began to preach against sin. Look at verse 9. In the morning you shall be seen in the glory of the Lord, for he that heareth your murmurings against the Lord, and that we are that ye murmur against us. Moses is saying, you're murmuring, and you're murmuring, is not, it, you're murmuring against us, but when you're murmuring, it's, re it's really not about us. You're murmuring against God. Do you recognize when you, rec when you murmur about conditions and problems, you may be directed at authorities in your life, but ultimately it's against God? Who placed the authorities in your life that, that you're under today? They just happen to happen? No, God has a reason and purpose for things that are happening in life, dear friend. Do all things without murmuring, right? We're not supposed to murmur. We're not supposed to complain. We find the fourth place, the glory of the Lord was linked in the giving of the man. The Bible says in John chapter 1, 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory and the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In the living man of the glory of the Lord was revealed. Jesus Christ was the object lesson in understanding God and who he was. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ, we learn what true love is all about. Why? Because when you see Jesus, you see the Father. When you see Jesus' patience, you see the patience of the Father. When you see the love of Jesus, you see the love of the Father. When you see the love of the kindness of Jesus, you see the kindness of the Father. When you see the mercy of Jesus, you see the mercy of the Father. When you see Jesus, you see the Father. Ninth, fifth, excuse me, fifth place, the manna came right to where the people encamped. The manna came right to the place that they encamped. God knew their, knew their frame. They wouldn't go out and go find it some other place. And Jesus came to exactly where they needed to be. The Father bestowed the love for us that Jesus came to where we are. Aren't you glad he did? He was born in Bethlehem. He became a human he went through the temptations, went through the struggles that we went through so that we, would, he could un, we could understand him, so we could see what he went through, the difficulties, the struggles, the pains, the sorrows, the rejections, the temptations, all those things he went through. He came to us in our need. We have responsibility to know the word, word of God. We know the word, Lord and proclaim his message. Biblically, this Bible is a love letter to all of us. We study it. 
The more we study it, the more we know him. I read about a lady by the name of Elizabeth Barrett became the wife of Robert Browning. Her parents disowned her because they disapproved of her marriage. The daughter, almost every week, wrote a letter. For 10 years, this daughter wrote a letter to her parents, and the parents not one time opened the love letter. Oh, if they just opened one letter and read of their daughter's love for them, how their life might have been different. They may have reconciled. Oh, if the world would only open the love letter. Oh, if they would undersee how much God loves them. The world sees God and says, he's an angry God. He's a mean God. He's a, he, he doesn't care. But if you read the word of God, how can you not see how much he loves us? He loves us. The sixth feature of manna was the fact that it was gathered in the morning. Dear friend, I encourage you, if at all possible, I know people are night people and evening people, but if all possible, seek God early in the day. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek ye, the first, the, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. George Washington's secretary, Robert Lewis, wrote that it was the president's custom to go to his library at 4 a.m. in the morning for his devotions. And he concluded every day by spending time with God in Bible reading and prayer. Do you spend time with God in the morning? You should. Because it's the foundation of your day. You see, I mean, I, again, you might be a morning person, you might be a night person, but something about spending time in the morning and beginning your day. I, had a, I have a professor in college that said, before you get out of bed, start praying to God and asking him for wisdom, for direction, for guidance, for strength. Before you put your feet on the ground, open your eyes, and the first thing in the morning, instead of complaining about, oh, my aching blank, say, oh, thank you, God, I'm Instead of looking in or looking out, how different our perspective might be if we started each day. The Bible says in, in Numbers chapter 11, verse 7, the manna was like a culinary seed. The color of it was the color of bedlam. As someone described it as a, this, this uh, manna as a small pea, a small, uh, almost size, small size thing. The size reminds us that the things do not have to be big or large to be of great value. The sum of the total of God's revealed truth is a wondrous book which can be carried in your pocket or purse on your phone. It has 793,000 words, 3.5 million letters, 1,189 uh, 1, chapters, 66 books. God's word might be small in volume, but it teaches us the way of salvation. It sustains us in daily living and gives us strength. It gives us stability, and it is the source of life for us, the Word of God. That's why Peter said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. According to Exodus chapter 16, verse 13, God gives us this daily manna, gives, us in the, gives it to us in the night, gives it to us in the darkness, gives it to us as a reminder how much we need him. The eighth element about manna was the fact that it was a free gift from God. This manna didn't cost them anything. They didn't have to say, okay, God, I got to sacrifice before I get the manna. I got to do some great deed before I get the manna. No, it came free to them. And dear friend, the word of God is free to us. <laughs> it's free. I love that about that printing press. Those missionaries, they didn't have to pay for it. They just requested it and, got, and those folks send it. 
Thank God somebody gave $1,000 so a whole roll was bought. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. You know what? Salvation's free too, isn't it? I read a story about the land of Persia. There was once a wise man who, and beloved named uh, the Shah who cared greatly for his people and desired only that was best for them. One day he disguised himself as a poor person and went down uh, to where the baths were heated to the furnace. There was one man who was there who tended the fire. The two men were sitting there and they exchanged food that wasn't very good. They talked. They shared stories. And finally the Shah revealed himself and says, I am the Shah. And the man said, you left your palace and your glory to sit with me in this dark place to eat this dirty food, to care about what happens to me. On others you may bestow rich gifts, but to me you have given me yourself. You know what? The greatest thing that Jesus Christ has done for us, he's given us himself. You say, man, I want this, I want this, I want this. Dear friend, in Christ is everything. (laughs) He is the gift. It's not, it's not, okay, I, I want him plus anything. No, he's everything. He should be everything to us. What more can God give us than his son, Jesus Christ? He's given us everything. 2 Corinthians 9, 15, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Ninth fact about manna was that it was pure, it was white. Isn't the word of God pure? Isn't our lovely Lord Jesus pure? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings or infirmities, but when all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. That's past my understanding. Is it past yours? Never lied one time. Never lusted one time. Never cheated one time. We had half brothers and half sisters. That's a miracle in itself. Never sinned one time and have half siblings. Oh. He was tempted every point like we are, yet without sin. And the word of God is pure and holy and sweet. Psalm 119, 103, how sweet are thy words to my taste. Yeah, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I read a story about a man in Kansas City who was severely injured in an explosion. An evangelist tells about him in the book called Wonder of the Word of God. The victim's face was badly disfigured. He lost his eyesight as well as both his hands. He was a new Christian. He was so disappointed that he couldn't read the word of God anymore. He heard about a lady in England who read by Braille with her lips, just by her lips, hoping to do the same. He went for some books of the Bible and prayer. Much to his dismay, he discovered that the nerve ending in his lips had been destroyed in the explosion. So one day he brought one of the Braille pages to his lips. He touched it with his tongue and used it to read the Bible. He touched the Braille with his tongue and read the word of God with his tongue. Oh, how, how desperate he is. But dear friend, when you realize how much you need it, we desperately need the word of God. We have it. We can hear it. We can see it. We can watch it. There's so many ways and days in which we can study, yet I believe this generation has, reads it less, understands it less, knows less than any generation that's ever walked the face of the earth. You can see it by the decision-making in people's lives who truly don't know the word of God. It's a promise provision. The preparation for worship, the preaching against it, the provision for Israel, the prescription for meals. It says in verse 16, 
Look at it again. And this thing which the Lord hath, get, hath, hath commanded to gather in the evening, and man according to his eating, and omer for every man according to the number of your persons, take every man for them which are the Lord, which are in his tent. Everybody had uh, an, enough for themselves. Some ate more, some ate less. Naturally, like when, when you eat. But there's all types of ways. I'm sure Moses' uh, wife could have said 101 ways to cook manna. Would have been the bestseller during those days, wouldn't it? <laughs> An omer of manna was to be gathered every one of the two, the two and a half million souls. An omer is approximately six pints. Others say it's about two quarts. Based on six pints, they would gather 12 million pints of manna every day, which equated to nine million pounds. For each, for every one supply, they would need enough manna to fill 10 trains with 30 railroad cars. Each car would carry 15 tons. Millions of tons of manna were gathered for each year for 40 years. Mama, that's a lot of manna. But thank God for the manna. God provided for them manna. And dear friend, God provides for you. I love Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power which worketh in us. See, I don't know if God can do that. How big is your God? Do you have a tiny God? Do you have a six-inch God, an eight-inch God, a one-foot God, or is your God big? You say, I got big debt. You have a big God. I, I, got, I got people in my life that are not saved. Have you prayed to that big God? Do you still think he wants him saved more than you do? I think sometimes we, our perspectives of God, our perception of God is so small, and that's where our prayers are so small and so weak because we perceive God to be so limited. But dear friend, if God provided manna for these 2.5 million people, millions of tons of manna, you don't think God can provide for you? You think he cares less for you than he cared for the children of Israel? And dear friend, he cares the same. He can cares. We must sincerely desire his word. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. Why do we read the, read the word? Because as we read the word, our faith increases. Little bit of word, little bit of faith. More word, more faith. More faith, bigger ask. What's the biggest thing you've ever asked God to do in your life? When's the last time God answered a big prayer in your life? And dear friend, when's the last time you just gave up on God because you started asking and you quit asking? Oh, God wants to take care of us. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, but my God supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Did you recognize the word need? It didn't say want. Oh man, I want a whole lot of things, don't you? But God knows what's best for us. He gives us what we need, not what we want. We see what happened to them, <laughs> their pig-headedness of the people. In verse 19, how do they respond? And Moses said, let no man leave it till morning. What did they do? Okay, Moses, we won't leave it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not to Moses, but some of them left of them till the morning, and it was bread worms and stank, and Moses was wroth with them. He told them, don't go out. They hearkened not unto him, and some of it left it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was wroth with them. They gathered it every morning, every man in court is eating. When the sun waxed hot, it melted. 
They didn't left. That some of them was left until morning. They didn't gather it all up. What was gathered was supposed to be you. What was gathered yesterday is now in the past. They had to gather each thing for every day. We must learn to trust in the Lord to take care of us one day at a time. I can't, I, I can't, I can't fix tomorrow. I only have today. You know you only have today? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with planning for tomorrow and for planning for next week or planning for next weekend. But God is only giving you today. That's why we have to give Ask God for our daily bread. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know it. Trust the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy paths. The manna was not gathered early or else it would have melted in the sun. It had to be gathered early. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, For he saith, I have heard thee in thy time accepted. In the day of salvation I have succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Brother Pete was talking about it this morning. Sometimes we wait. We wait too long to ask God for help. We wait to the end. We wait. We wait. We wait. Well, we should not be waiting. Now is the time to ask, dear friend. Now is the time. There might be a time when we, 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 it's, it's past the time now. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55 or 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. And the priority of the Sabbath, verses 22 through 26, God said, This is my day. This is my day. You know, everybody has different things they do on God's day. But whatever, whatever you do on God's day, make it a day where you focus on God. Focus on God. And his pers the persistent resistance we see in verse 27. It came to pass, they went out of the some of the people on the seventh day to gather, and they found none. They kept on going. Don't go to the fields tomorrow. You won't find anything there. Yeah, evidently, they thought he's crazy. Surely there'll be some manna out there. No, God said there wouldn't. And we see the rebuke. The perturbed rebuke, verse 28. And the Lord said to Moses, How long refuse you to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord hath given you the Sabbath thereof to give you the sixth day, the bread of two days. Abide ye every man his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. But some of them didn't listen. God said, hey, two days, two, two times, you can go out twice, get, get enough for two days. Don't go out on the Sabbath day. But they didn't listen. They went out on the Sabbath day. And that's what happens today, don't it? When we don't obey God, there's always trouble, isn't there? There's always difficulty. There's always difficulty. They didn't listen. God wanted them, rest, wanted them to rest. He knows what's best for us, doesn't he? He knows what's best for us. If we'll just listen to him. If we'll just follow him. And ultimately, he gave them a pot of manna so they'll have in the future. We see that in verses 32 through, 30, 30, 32 through 35. The children of Israel did eat manna 40 years until they came to the land of habited. They did eat manna until, the, until they came to the borders of the manna. And Omer, uh, Omer is a tenth part to an ephah. God said, I want you to put this pot of manna, put it with the, with, with the other things, the, table, the tables of stone, the Aaron's rod. And this manna was a reminder of their murmurings of unbelief in the desert. And the, the manna lasted until they reached the promised land. And it says in Numbers chapter 11, verse 4, the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. The children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? Remember the fish we should eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. But now our soul is dried up. There's nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. The man of the word of God is not acceptable to the unsaved and the backslidden. The world looks at it and says, it's, it's, It doesn't any good. It doesn't really matter. 
The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. How many of you tried to read the word of God before you were saved? It didn't make any sense to you. Why? Because the spirit of God wasn't in you. It couldn't show you. It couldn't lead you. It couldn't, couldn't direct you. But as you read the word of God, and as you study the word of God, you see how, how it is a necessity of life. Why should we trust in our flesh when we have the wonderful word of God to lead us, to guide us, to help us? God daily gives us the opportunity to go to his word and study what he's done for us. What has he done for us? He's descended that we might ascend. Amen. He became poor that we might become rich. He was born that we might be born again. He had no home that we might have a home in heaven. He was hungry that we might be fed. He was thirsty that we might be satisfied. He was stripped that we might be clothed. He was sad that we might become glad. He was bound that we might be go free. He was made sin that we might be made righteousness. He died that we may live. He came down that we might be caught up. He's done so much for us. All of it found in the word of God. All of it found in the word of God. Are you thankful for the word of God? Say, preacher, I'm thankful for it. What did you do with it last week? What did you do with this last week? Ah, I looked at it. Ah, I picked it up. Did you love anything more than this last week? Did you give it priority in your life? If there was a private investigator who sent a mouse into your house and could record your doings, would he see you at all spending time in this book? You see, I think sometimes we lose our gratitude for what God has done for us. Bob Jones Sr. said these words, when gratitude dies on the altar of a man's heart, he is well nigh hopeless. Are you grateful for this book? If you're grateful and thankful for this book, it shows if your actions is important. See, words are cheap. Oh, I love the Lord Jesus. I'm glad. Oh, how I love Jesus. Amazing grace, victory in Jesus. We sing these old wonderful songs, but when it comes down to it, it shows in the very private moments of our lives what we really do with this book. This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. What will you do with the word of God this week? Father, I pray, God, you'd help us to be thankful, be thankful for the word of God. How free it's been given how powerful it is, how precious it is. Oh, just like manna given for heaven, it's been given to each one of us. It's a daily provision that we can give to each one of us for weeks so we can live. The manna was given so they could live physically. The, the manna from heaven, the word of God is given so we could live spiritually. Oh, how precious it is. Maybe this evening it's not been so precious to you. Maybe there's, there's been a time in your life where it used to be precious, where you used to read it. You used to get up in the morning. You were excited to read it, or you'd spend time at night. Now you've filled your, filled your life with junk food. TV's more important. Social media's more important. Other, other books are more important. 
Has something replaced the word of God in your life? Oh, it should be the most precious thing in your life. 